Um, Tony, talk a little bit about Nighthawks. What is a Nighthawk? So Nighthawk is... It's right there. Nighthawk! <laughs> you are listening to... Hey, podcast listeners. We hope you like this episode that we recorded live in the Mount Moriah Cemetery at the border of the southwest section of the city of Philadelphia and neighboring Delaware County, um, in particular the town of Yaden. Cemeteries are great places to observe wildlife. Um, We encourage you to get out to your local cemetery and see what you can see. Uh, We had a whole two-part episode about it earlier called Humping Deer, Bearded Dragons, and Singing Toads. In fact, we checked with Ken Greenway from the Tower Hamlets Cemetery in London, in England, and noted that they don't have quite as many migratory bats as as we do, or at least in his specific area. They do record some pipistrels and the occasional noctole, as he put it. Uh, Also, in this episode, I realized that I cut off Tony when he was starting to talk about how wonderful the Friends of Mount Moriah organization is. I just want to to emphasize that point that this is a great space in in Philadelphia and in Yaden. It needs a lot of work. Um, and the Mount Moriah Cemetery folks, the friends there, um, have been doing some amazing work to rehab the cemetery, bring the public in for historical interests, for wildlife interests, you name it. Uh, so please check out friendsofmountmoriahcemetery.org. And if you're in the area, come and help out. Enjoy the episode. So we are at Mount Moriah Cemetery. We're here to look at some nighthawks and some bats. We just parked. It is around 7 o'clock p.m. It is just around sunset. It's very cloudy, so it's hard to see where the sun is exactly. We're going to do this episode field note style. What's up? Something like that. Okay. Prepared some notes on bats. Tony will talk nighthawks. We'll try to spot them here in a large urban cemetery. Technically, right now, we are in the suburb of Yaden, which is literally across the street from... Philadelphia? Yaden is kind of like Philly's Gary, Indiana. It's not really <laughs> like a suburb. We're looking at a, a herd of, I don't know, five or six deer up the hill a little bit. Some of them are checking us out. Most of them are just heads down eating. So welcome back to another episode of the Urban Wildlife Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Billy Brown, with Tony Crosdale. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at urbanwildlifecast. Uh, and if you like the podcast, please rate us on your podcasting app of choice. And please tell your friends about it by any means possible. Yes, we can't stress that enough. It really means a lot. It really helps us out a lot. Um, and I know that I've done a far too infrequently for how huge a podcast fan I am, but I do make a point when they ask me to, I will I will like and uh, tweet about or do something for a podcast that really, really does matter. So right now flying around, we've got some Swifts. Those, are those Robins switching trees over there? Mm-hmm. Okay. With Magnolia pretending she's a bird. <laughs> Trying to scare the deer. That's what happens when you bring a five-year-old on your podcasting expeditions. There's a young buck there, a Y buck. Yeah, there's like 10 deer at least. So we, I'm going to talk a little bit about bats today. I wanted to say that um, we're going to, well, we're going to talk about birds that migrate. We look at the nighthawks and the swifts. 
Um, bats migrate too, particularly tree roosting species. And in Pennsylvania, um, the tree roosting species that migrate are red bats, hoary bats, uh, silver-haired bats. The ones that don't migrate and in turn hibernate are our pipistrels, our northern long-eared bats, and our two brown bat species, uh, little browns and big brown bats. And out west in the western United States and also southeast, um, Mexican free-tailed bats migrate. These are the ones that live in that enormous roost that's famous in Austin, Texas at the Congress Avenue Bridge. They head down towards the Mexican border and some of them south of the border into Mexico. In other parts of the northern hemisphere you see this in northern Europe. There's four species that tend to migrate. Nathusius's pipistrelle, the party-colored bat. The party? Party-colored bat. P-A-R-T-I because yeah. it's a two-toned bat but still. It's a party colored bat. I'm talking about. Um, it's like half Jägermeister <laughs> and half Red Bull. Uh, the, or Bacardi, because you know it's a bat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's two Noctoles, a, a regular Noctole and lesser Noctole. These guys, all these bats tend to migrate around a thousand miles on their migration south, um, or up to, sorry, up to a thousand miles. A lot of them probably migrate shorter distances. Still, a thousand miles is a, is, is a long distance for a little bat. It is relatively hard to study migration in bats because you can't see them. Um, you know, they fly at night. A lot of them are too light for transmitters that you can put on them to do satellite tracking. Sometimes people ring them, but lately it seems the way they study them is with sort of isotope analysis of their fur that they can see, you know, depending where you are, your local water and soil and stuff will have a certain characteristic mix of certain isotopes. Uh, a big buck. Another big buck. A lot of deer. And what they can do is check the isotope ratios of bats that live in a place year-round. And then when they find a migrating bat, take a little bit of fur and see where it spent the summer. Fortunately for science, bad for bats. Wind turbines in the North Sea apparently kill a lot of bats. Mm and those are bats you can then sample, but it is also not very good for those bats because they're dead. So if you're listening to this and you are somewhere in the Northern Hemisphere, get outside, check your bats. Um, we're gonna use a bat detector to listen to their calls, which is another way you can sort of monitor bats, that bats will have distinctive frequencies that they communicate at or use for echolocation. And we can use a little bat detector to see who's calling around us once they're out and flying around. Um, Tony, talk a little bit about Nighthawks. What is a Nighthawk? So Nighthawk is... It's right there. Yep. Nighthawk! <laughs> so, <laughs> that, was that was on time. time. So I we know. got a Nighthawk flying over right now. So they're in the Nightjar family, or the Goat Sucker family. Carpal something... Capromulgids or something like Carpal that? Carpomulgids, yeah, I don't know how that is. Pronounce it. <laughs> um, so the people... Probably in at least in eastern North America, are pretty familiar with the whippoorwill. Yep, loud suckers. And they, I was kept awake at a campsite in Alabama by Chuck Will's widow. Oh yeah, so they, they those circles widows, poor wills, um, whippoorwills. They, they, uh, they perch on the ground. They're on a branch. Two more. And they have a wide, oh, uh, broad. Um, short wings and uh, 
We're looking at that black bird right there up in the sky. That is a that is a nighthawk. To explode. <laughs> to explode off a branch to to catch a flying insect. But nighthawks have long pointed wings. They resemble falcons sort of. And they are aerial hunters. And they migrate, right? They do. Because there's no bugs do. here in the winter. Yeah. Um, Torbals actually uh, overwinter and they go into the state of torpor, which is which is a weird thing for a bird. Yeah. Um, now the the nighthawks are the ones we're looking at now likely residents, or are they ones that have migrated I south? Don't, I do not know. Okay. Um, it could be either. There's like ten. There's like ten nighthawks, and where do nighthawks sometimes nest in Philadelphia? Very often they nest on top of flat row house roofs. So these are birds you can see like in South Philly or in West Philly just flying around. Northeast. Northeast Philly the rest of the year. And if you are in a row house kind of, of city, keep an eye out for them also. And you can hear them making a characteristic ping noise. Uh, sometimes it gets confused with woodcocks that make a very similar noise, but you can tell the difference if you practice a little bit. And so I had not seen any until yesterday in my entire life, or I just hadn't spotted them flying around me. And so Tony put me on this spot yesterday after dinner, and I was like, let's come back and record some of the stuff. Let's bring the family. Let's, let's have some hot chocolate and some cookies and walk around and look at nocturnal flying fauna. I think we post it right there. Yeah, that's awesome. So the cemetery we're in is a somewhat neglected large cemetery. It's one of the old bucolic-style cemeteries, so it meant to be out in the country before the city had advanced this far. But uh, it's sort of fallen into disrepair through, due to management problems. So some of it is mowed, a lot of it is just overgrown, which okay. makes it a fascinating place if you're an urban nature lover. Yeah, a friend of mine is uh, Paulette Roan, is the uh, president of the Friends Group. I mean, she's a friend of mine because I would come here and then do walks with her, and now we're friends. She's what are those little guys in the brush over there? Catbirds. Catbirds, okay. Uh, so they do a lot of work. And the catbirds are going in between, um, sort of around the base of some Japanese knotweed, and then a plot across from Japanese knotweed, which has got tear thumb, white, thorough wart. You got late flowering thorough wart or late flowering bone set. And then is that some fireweed in there too? What are those tall guys? Yeah, it could be. So a mix of natives and exotics. So it, it's, a, it's a funky place because you can have like each section of the cemetery will have its own flora. Like you have one section which is like all huge Japanese maples, the other section that's like all sassafras took over. It's just a weird post-apocalyptic kind of landscape where there's a lot of deer and woodchucks and fox and brown snakes and garter snakes. It's pretty good. It's pretty awesome for birding. Awesome for birding. Um, What's really fun is if you see like a hawk perched on top of an obelisk or one of those angels. Sometimes you run into death metal bands uh, taking album cover photos. <laughs> Not even joking. I, I believe you. So now our, our respective partners have caught up with us. And you've seen your life for Nighthawks. Do you want to use the binoculars? Wait, what? What's so happening? Is that those, what those are? Yep, yeah, those birds right there. Yeah. When I was here before, I, I found them. They would work back bird. and forth. Right there, honey. See the ones that are swooping over this tree? Yeah. 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 Those are birds that are catching bugs in the air right now. Okay, Angie, I'm no, sorry, no, I'll give but you I yours. actually think I win this one. They're a little bit like Batman. Yeah. A little bit like Batman. <laughs> so they have a bat kind of fly. Totally. They, they, yeah. They're kind of flappy. Like, so they'll, they'll glide a little bit, then they're like very flappy, kind of like a bat. And, and they'll kind of like paws and kind of like rock back and forth a little bit. Yep, there goes one right there. And they have distinctive sort of white elbow patches. Ooh, duck's over there. 
Are those just mallards or are they something else? Probably wood ducks. Wood ducks, all right. So Angie and I were talking about how evocative the term Nighthawk is, and oh, we were kind is. of imagining. And Angie, what did you say about it? You thought? I thought perhaps the dragon from How to Train Your Dragon. And I he's, said- He's named something night related, I feel. Oh, oh there you go. There's one. Um, but, and I said I thought it would be something that was like Batman. So, mm, so what it reminds- wing. Yeah. So Batman is closer so far. <laughs> oh wow, There's, they're all over us. There's got three right above our heads right now. And so it also evokes for me a famous painting, um, I think Edward Hopper, Nighthawks at the Diner, yeah. which is one of my favorite paintings. That is right there, guys, look at that. That's not a bird, well, it is a bird that we can see more often if we know how to spot it. And these are- uh, I, thought, I saw what actually catch something. So when you see them flutter around like that, they're like on a moth or something and they're grabbing it out of the air. What I found is when it got a little bit darker than this, the bats really came out. So we're keeping an eye out for the bats. Why do we care about nighthawks? They're yeah. in decline. Most aerial foraging birds are in decline right now because insects are in decline. There we go, wow. Oh, wow. it's beautiful. Whoa. It's beautiful. That one just buzzed us at about like seven feet off the ground. That nighthawk showed up to answer my question. <laughs> I don't care about nighthawks. That was a nighthawk, honey. It was right off. The, it was right by us. It no, must have seen I, a bug I, next I, to us. Oh, oh my lord. That one again. Like it may be ten feet off the ground there. We must be right below a cloud of interesting bugs. Yeah. But like it's a it's a topic of conservation importance that doesn't get talked about enough. Is that <laughs> that there's a, a general decline in the abundance of insects and people attribute it to like pesticide Ooh, use. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a lot of the animals sort of up the food chain from bugs then decline also. Totally worth the seven minute drive from our house. <laughs> wow. And we don't hear them though. They're not really... They're not calling. Because they're not territorial right now. Because it's, I mean, they, 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 could, they could maybe make a noise here or there, but this isn't their breeding season, so they're not either trying to attract mates or Daddy, scare other ones away from no. the territory. Why? So. I don't know how to catch them, honey. And I'm not sure that we'd want to. We'd probably hurt it. Um, they're very I little. Could you could Birds catch it? in general are not for catching. They're only about the size of a robin, maybe even. There's one in uh, Brazil called the Nagunda Nighthawk. It's much bigger. It's, it's significantly larger than this and it's really cool looking. So that's a, we're hearing a mockingbird. I think the first mockingbird nest described in Pennsylvania was was in Mount Mariah. Really? Yeah. Because they're usually more of a southern nesting mm -hmm. species? And they moved, now they're like ubiquitous in our area. Yeah, I see them all over the neighborhood. Mockingbirds, Carolina wren, black vulture, um, okay, red bellied woodpecker, they're all southern birds that now live up here. Nice. All right, Tony has switched on the bat detector. Nothing much right now, but um, I bet pretty soon, and I remember, if we might mosey back towards the car a little bit. Um, Tony has listened to the bat detector. That can hear the bats talking. It's listening to the bats. So they're usually sounds that we can't hear with our ears, but it takes them out of the air and turns them into a sound that we can hear. So this is Angie's first time on the podcast. That's a good point. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm Angie. But it's Oop, definitely not another your, Nighthawk. Your, the two of you is not your first time. No, Magnolia's yeah. been on. Especially Magnolia. Yeah. Ooh, that was a nice Magnolia's Nighthawk. Magnolia's sort of been a special guest. I have yet to find my... Good spot for brown snakes, too. Although they cleaned up a lot of the dump sites, 
which in that made it harder to find the brown snakes because I'd find them under trash. You have no idea what it was like. Like, not even 10 years ago, Billy and I would come here before. Like, brown snakes, there was like literally mattresses that were probably placed here for business oh, okay. purposes. They were here for business purposes, the mattresses, but it turns out they were excellent cover for snakes. Might as well mention something really quick. Um, Tony, you got any events coming up? At the Varmouth Center? Just in general, any appearances, et cetera? Uh, I'll be at the John Hines National Wildlife Refuge Nature Fest, Philadelphia Nature Fest on October 14th. And when's that big birding festival or birding meeting? Oh, the Philadelphia Bird Expo, which is next weekend. No, the 29th, 30th, and 1st. And you're gonna be recording people there, right? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to be, it turns out I'm going to be talking at a Schoolkill Environmental Center event on October 7th, their University of Nature. We're going to have a discussion about urban coyotes. Sounds like a big brown, but I'll try to get a better recording. Oh, there it is. Probably got a big brown flying around us. What's the model of the bat thing? Bat detector? Uh, echo location, echo meter, echo meter touch. The echo meter touch. So now Magnolia is chasing the bat. So cool. So what we're seeing is we're we're in a part of the cemetery which is very savanna-y. Like it's there's a line of trees to one side. There's patches of trees here and there across the hillside. Um, and there's a bat flying around us, off the ground, of course, but around us among the trees. And that chirping you hear is the translation of the echolocation. Oh, there's yep, two. There's, yep, there's another Now we got two flying around us. Oh man, they are like 10 feet above our heads right now. Big brown bat. Big brown bats. So these are not the migrators, but they are some of our local bats. So it's a neat night to check them out along with the nighthawks. So I had four species the other night at Cobbs Creek, our oh, middle yeah? center. Yeah. What'd you see? I had, um, let me, uh, I had um, red bat, big brown, Silver-haired and hoary. Nice. I think, well, we, didn't we just say that the silver-haired, the hoary, and the reds are migrate, mm -hmm. migratory? We, I mean, we are in Cobbs Creek. This is, yeah. we're right, the we're standing, you know, 100 yards. The actual creek is a few yards from us. Right. And Tony's environmental center is up the creek a couple mile. Yeah, mile, so maybe mile. Cobbs Creek is a great place for bat lovers. Tony will have more bat nights. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up our bat walk. Uh, if you want to record or tell us about migration of birds or bats, wherever you are, please write us at urbanwildlifecast.gmail.com. Please rate us on your podcasting app of choice. Please tell your friends all about it. And Matt Haley would get mad at us if we did not say that if you see a dead bird in your city that died running into a window for migration, it's a very sad thing. But put it in a plastic Ziploc type bag individually if you find more than one, because you don't want to mix up their parasites, and uh, get it to your nearest natural history museum or ornithology department at a university, because these guys will be valuable for 
um, sampling for researchers and that kind of stuff. It would be valuable for data collection for researchers. And you might want to just contact your local game enforcement agency to ah. let them know that you're doing that just to cover your bases. Yeah, don't um, do anything illegal in the process. Yeah, yeah. Don't, and especially if it's an eagle or something like that. <laughs> and Matt Halley, again, is who sings the podcast, podcast part of the theme. He also... He's an ornithologist who's been on the podcast a few yeah, times. Yeah, also does the... wrote a couple of our songs, including Synthopic Organism. Ah. The music. 